Hi, this is Tamdir Podcast, where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and anything else we might find interesting. Your hosts today are Cliff Brake and Tim Raj. Hi, Cliff. Hi, Kim. How's it going? Going very well. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing well. Thank you. Today's uh, topic is uh, technology trends um, and specifically how unique they are or how they apply to embedded systems and uh, development and technology in general. So um, Cliff, what are your thoughts on the uh, technology trends in general? Yeah, so as we make decisions, as we build products and, and develop software and, and we, we make a lot of decisions about the, the technology the components we're going to use in our projects and in our products. And if we look at these these technology pieces, um, they typically form a trajectory. They start out immature, and, and I kind of I kind of view it as a um, kind of a parabolic curve. Hmm. So they start out, they're immature and, and they they gain interest and, and a lot of people start using it. And then they reach reach a mature phase where it's 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 sustained and, and it's very healthy. And then most technology goes through a, a period of decline where where people start to lose interest, and then it gets to a point where it's no longer maintained. Hmm. Or in a in the case of a hardware component, it, it may not be available anymore. Hmm. So this is this is what I've been calling the trajectory technology trajectory, and it's 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 kind of a concept that I've I've been thinking about that that may help us think think about stuff as we make choices. Mm. And um, anyway, that's that's one way I've been looking at this. I'm sure there's a lot of different angles you can you can look at yeah. this. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, really well put. So uh, if you look at like uh, modern, you know, products, they are not one technology. They have uh, integration, a collection of different technologies, you know, whether, and they could be coming from different sources. And um, so um, things like processors or ICs or softwares, databases, build systems, you name it, right? So there are, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of components um, that come in. So do you see that this technology trajectory trend is common across all of them or are there any differences that we need to, or is is it generally, you know, tending to this curve? I think it's probably more applicable in software because software is, um, is, is soft. You know, it can be updated over time and the value increases over time. Mm. And, and hardware can go through revisions too. You know, you mm. can have new models released with new features, but software in general is, is a lot more flexible in that you might deploy a piece of software on, on a hardware platform and update that software hundreds of times over the life cycle of, of, the, of your project or product. So I feel like this this concept is probably a little more pronounced with software components just because we can deploy new versions with no additional cost, really. Mm. So just to paraphrase you a little, what I understood is that, say, you know, it can be long or it could be short in terms of time, Mm -hmm. but uh, the technology trajectory trends are pretty 
consistent when it comes to. So, um, so having said that, uh, how do you describe the technology trends? I know you touched on, I know some of the terms you talked about, but uh, could you um, kind of touch base on, you know, the, the technology trends and the uh, trajectory terms that you've used to describe this curve? Yeah, so if you, if you picture this curve as an inver inverted parabola, inverted parabolic curve, um, you know, we start out immature, we, mm. have a, we have a rising slope, then we hit, hit a mature phase where it peaks out and then it starts to, to decline and then, and then there's what I call the dead phase. Mm. And across this curve, I, I drew a line which is what I call the usability threshold. So if you're a conservative company, you might wait a really long time to adopt a technology and then hold on to it until it's it's nearly dead. Mm -hmm. If you're a more progressive thinking team, you may adopt technologies earlier and discard them earlier. So the slope of the line can even change. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so what I see is at the beginning of the curve, so the intersection point of say the usability threshold, um, your cost of investment into those technologies are probably as high uh, as they are, you know, in the immature state, uh, tending towards the mature, and then probably the costs are again increasing when it goes into the dead phase after the decline phase. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. The lower you are on the curve on either side, probably your costs are higher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so could you kind of take an example and then, you know, uh, describe this curve, you know, how a particular technology kind of, um, you know, life cycle looks like or looked like in this case? Sure. I, I think uh, programming language is, is probably a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, 15, 10, 15 years ago, if you wanted to program a high performance, um, high performance, say cloud service, you know, if you had languages like Java and Python and Ruby, but those are relatively slow. And if you want something a little more, more bare metal, you would program in, in C++. So that, that's the way Google and a lot of companies did things and, and a lot of other people. And that was probably the mature phase of that technology. Mm -hmm. But then as time went on, um, new languages became available like Go or Ruby. I'm, not, not, I'm sorry, not Ruby, Rust. And mm -hmm. there's other ones as well. But So Go gives you performance almost like C++. But initially, in the immature phase, there weren't many packages available. So it was mm -hmm. a good language, but maybe had some rough edges and not many packages. So it was a little more work to adopt. But as time goes on, the number of packages, especially for network-related uh, activities, is continuing to increase at a very rapid rate. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you know, as, as we're further up the adoption curve, or the trajectory, I feel like if I want to find a package, I could, it's almost easier to find it in the Go ecosystem now than the C++ ecosystem. Mm. Again, especially for network-related activities. Um, 
so as, as we've climbed the trajectory, you know, we're on the rising slope with the Go language, and the C++ trajectory is, is on the declining phase, I feel, for, for this type of task anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example where yeah. you probably don't want to jump on C++ right now for a, for a internet cloud service type task. Mm -hmm. You probably want to choose something that is on the other side of the curve, like Go or Rust. Yeah. So um, if you think that, you know, this, again, keeping on to the, um, to the cycle, right? So um, what are, like, you know, say if you were using a particular piece of technology that is nearing that usability thresh threshold, um, what are some of the, the burdens that you will carry, say, if you were, you know, deciding on using you know, one of the dead languages for your project today, or, you know, you name it, some other technology. Um, then what what are some of the, you know, the burdens that uh, one has to be uh, worried about? So one of them is just finding third-party packages that do things like TLS or mm. web servers. You know, there's continually new standards coming out, HTTP2, HTTP3. Right. And these these things keep keep progressing. Um, MQTT, just all kinds of all kinds of new protocols are coming out. So if if you're on a on a language that is being phased out, these packages won't be available, and you'll be tasked with writing it all yourself. And that's a much bigger job than most of us can can take on, mm -hmm. especially those of us in small teams and, and so on. The mm -hmm. other other things you may run into if there's security problems or you need support, there's just less people working with it. So, you know, there's mm -hmm. just less chance. Um, you'll, you'll only get the help you need. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in other words, you are just trying to basically say is in my mind, it's a you're signing up for more work, uh, which you are not sharing. Uh, with the rest of the community because, um, you know, all of that rising trend is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And you could probably speak to the build side of things. I mean, you have a lot of experience there. Can you think of any yeah. examples there? That Yeah, so I think um, build problems generally, you know, what you, you see is, um, you know, like any other technology, you know, build is also another technology that keeps evolving. And obviously, you retrofit some of it back into some of the ecosystems, but not all. And, um, you know, if you take some of the, you know, the older languages, um, cross-compiling was hard, right? And you basically have ecosystems developed to do specifically cross-compiling. And, uh, and it's very pertinent in embedded space because, you know, most of it is cross-compiling. But then you you basically spend quite a bit of time uh, doing this because you know those languages and tooling around those languages were not meant to do that. Uh, but then if you were to say choose some of the modern technologies with package management in place, so um, you know if you consider Go, consider uh, Rust, they're all um, inherently cross-compiled. 
um, languages. So what that means is, you know, all those difficulties that you had, uh, you don't have them any, any, anymore. But um, if you kind of, you know, use uh, those uh, languages like C, C++, you do have those issues. So, so definitely those are, you know, some of the advantages that evolving technologies bring in, and they are huge when it comes to your developer productivity and uh, and friction uh, all getting your work done. So um, definitely th those are very, very key pieces. Yeah, and, and C++ and C, you know, they were great languages in their time when you didn't have this huge package ecosystem, you know, mm -hmm. that you have to leverage today to get pretty much anything done. Yeah, and um, just having having good build tools, like you said, and being able to cross compile and pull in packages easily without without a lot of friction, mm -hmm. really saves a lot of time and yeah. And pain. So this brings uh, me to the next question: is about value. So uh, what what's the sweet spot, so to speak? Um, where you extract the best value out of this curve? Yeah, so that's that's a good question. If you want to avoid all the pain, you simply move your usability threshold line up mm. towards the peak of the parabola parabolic curve, mm. and you adopt it when it's very easy, and you get off of it quickly mm. when it starts declining, so you don't experience any pain. But mm. the problem with that is you don't spend very much time on the curve. You know, you're, right. you're catching a very small window of the overall life cycle of a particular technology. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the trade-off you make. If, if you want to avoid any work or any, any difficulty, then, then you'll also lose out on some of the advantages in the value that's being produced in that, in that ecosystem. So value right. is, is one of the most important parts because these technologies, these software components, they improve over time and they're continually getting better. And they're, and the, the, this is always also adding value to, to whatever work you're doing. Mm -hmm. So if you can leverage that value over time, it's, it's value that's coming into your project that, that you're not directly doing. And that's, that's just the nature of open source and, and, um, uh, Mm -hmm. So the, I feel like the value proposition is is actually a bigger issue than than even the pain proposition. It's it's kind of the positive way of looking at this, right? Versus the, the negative. Yeah. And uh, th there's also value in getting in a little bit early, because you can influence the direction things go. You know, once once a project gets to the size of the Linux kernel you have almost no chance of influencing mm. the direction it takes in any significant way. Yeah. Whereas, you know, back when I started, started in open source, you know, 20 some years ago, um, the Linux community was small and, and mm. I was doing work in it and it, it was a fun place to work. Yeah. And, and I could contribute meaningful work to it, but today it's, it's uh, much bigger and, yeah, you know it's it's not really practical anymore for for small players. 
Yeah. So so essentially, there is an opportunity to engage, um, to become a contributor in and influence the project thereby at the, at the beginning of the curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's also an investment from you. Sure. Um, so it's um, basically, you know, we talked about the um, cost. So it's a progressive cost at that point where you're investing in, uh, which basically uh, will yield value over a period of your adoption, a period of curve to you. Right. Um, and this, this investment could even just be using it and providing feedback. You know, that's, oh, yes. that's a very valuable, you know, most people think of open source contributions as writing code, but that's really a very small part. If you look mm-hmm. at most open source projects, the actual code is written by a very small number of people compared to the number of people using it. Yeah, but very without, well said. Without users, you know, yeah. we can't really make good progress either. So it's, it's a... Uh... Yeah, yeah. And that's very important because, you know, I... Myself, I go to some of the projects that I'm collaborator or contributor, and you know there are new users asking questions, and I go and try to answer them, mm-hmm. uh, essentially enabling them to use the technology. And and I think uh, personally, I think that's also a contribution, even though I'm not contributing code there. Um, and in some cases, I'm just pointing to someone else, saying that hey, would, you know, or tagging another user or contributor. To kind of say you know connect to this problem so just connecting people in the community mm-hmm. um, I think that's also a kind of contribution um, and I agree wholeheartedly that code is just one of them all right so um, having talked about value uh, what is the best time to adopt so say you know if I was looking at from a product point of view you know and sensing these different technologies and my you know architects has given me we will be you know needing x and y and z and then um, how do you put that you know decision metrics and say well you know these are the technologies we'll be using and factor in the technology trend curve in there that's a hard question because Mm. it's it's every Every open source project is very different from the last one. And that's mm-hmm. that's part of the power of open source is it creates a culture that's just right for the task that needs done. Mm-hmm. So you look at the Elm ecosystem and, and that community, and it's very different than the JavaScript community. Mm-hmm. But they're both functioning very healthily. It's just completely different approaches and paradigms. And you, you have to make good decisions because if you jump on something that's hot and new, it could, it could just die, you know, if people lose Mm. interest very quickly. So it's, there is risk if you get in early, but I I feel like you want to, you want to get in on, on the rising slope of the curve, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when, when things are just taking off and it looks healthy, but yet it's still small enough that you can, uh, you know, you can you can participate. You can get interest, and and with some things like the Linux kernel, you know, that's that's obviously in the very mature phase right now. So, and we're mm-hmm. all going to use it. You know, it's it's not really an option. 
-hmm. But where we do have choices like programming languages and libraries we use, packages, you know, that's mm -hmm. where these decisions come into play and where we do have choices. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I don't know. How, how do you, how do you make choices like that? Is it just gut feel or, or do you have any more systematic way to do it? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, gut feel is a good one because a lot of nerves end in your gut, probably more mm -hmm. than what, you know, end in your <laughs> brain. So, uh, but on a serious note, I think, um, you know, there is, um, um, we do basically have to have, because technology, as you just said, friends might vary and, you know, uh, the nature is, is unique to each of those. Um, what I think is if you have a system in place um, to evaluate them and continuously evaluate them, uh, develop that um, system for yourself uh, where you can put the technology through and then, you know, get an assessment on how you see it in terms of the technology curve um, will give you the best possible result because in this case, um, you know, you are not influencing all the technologies. You, you never can. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, at certain point, it's like you have to, you know, wade through and it's uh, look through the rising tides and, 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 and use that for your advantage. So um, there is no strict mathematical formula, I would think, um, but you have to have a process which is continuous. Um, and because products will come and go and they will come at a certain point of time and you know you have to take a snapshot of that time and if you don't have the framework in place if you don't have the process in place um, then you would be reacting to the situation and that is the worst thing you can do because you would be under fire for the time um, and you might make wrong decisions because you haven't done your homework um, but you would be responding to it if you have that framework in place. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's that's an excellent thought. It's not something you can jump into with no experience and in a week make a decision. This is a long-term game. Mm. It's it's a um, it comes from watching the technology landscape over over a period of time, getting a feel for it. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about the idea of doing kind of demos or prototypes, you know, and, mm. and we'll probably discuss that in the future as a way, but it's definitely a long-term thing. And it's, it's a, something you have to kind of be engaged in and, and, and watch it. And one, one way I do that is we have a, a discourse forum set up for our Tempter community. Mm. And one of the ways I do it is, as I see something interesting, I'll post it there and write a little bit about it mm. and tag it. So it's kind of my online notebook for for new technologies and kind of what's happening in the industry. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one little piece of my process. There's there's a lot of ways we can do this, but yeah. But you and have I to have, you have to have a process. That's for sure. So. Yes. And you mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, collecting this information on, um, on Tumblr community. I think it's very, um, uh, one, one more thing I learned about it is when we are kind of like, you know, looking through a technology, we do have some 
confirmation biases and things like that. Because at that point, you know, you are also at times emotionally invested in it some, to a certain extent. But if you keep collecting that information over a period of time and you grow out of it and a decision point comes, you come back, you take a very uh, objective look at it. Um, and then you say, oh, no, you know, I was wrong uh, about this back then or things have turned out to be a little bit different. And you evaluate all that accordingly. So it's huge value at that point of time than it was probably when I was, um, you know, creating that information. Uh, at, at the first place. So I found that very, very useful for my own purposes as well. Sure. All right. So um, these were some of the discussion points we had um, today. And um, I think, I hope uh, you found it interesting. So any um, parting thoughts, Cliff? No, no. I, I, uh, it's it's an interesting topic and, and I'm sure we'd like to talk more about it. So I appreciate it listening and any feedbacks appreciated thank you very much okay until next time yeah hey bye bye